Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hey, hope all of you are ready for the Word of God. Today we're going to talk about 21 Days with Daniel. We're continuing our two-part series from Daniel. Last week we dealt with Daniel's identificational repentance. Today we're dealing with his 21-day fast. And we believe that God wants to speak to us, so let's just pray. Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would have your way, that you would teach us about prayer, that you'd give us a burden to pray, to fast, and to seek you now more than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're going to deal with Daniel chapter 10. Last week was based on Daniel chapter 9. My objective today is for the church to understand the invisible warfare that is currently taking place to influence individuals and nations. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, am I giving in to the invisible forces of darkness or am I resisting them? Am I aware that there really are evil forces and these evil forces are trying to persuade me not to follow God and to actually quit? Am I contending merely for my own benefit or for the kingdom of God? And we'll see that Daniel was contending for his people, for the kingdom of God. Last but not least, am I a pawn of the evil one or am I a servant of Christ? Of course, there's no middle ground. The Apostle Paul teaches us in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. He tells us to take our stand against them. John the Apostle says in 1 John 5, 19 and 20, that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And we see this systemically when it comes to, uh, when you look at the media, when you look at uh, some of the things in the economy and politics, there's definitely an evil one orchestrating a lot of what happens. James tells us in his epistle to resist the devil and he will flee from us. That means that there is a warfare, there is a battle, and we have to resist. That implies that there's a wrestling match, there is some kind of thing where we're pitted against an unseen realm, an unseen force, demonic entities assigned to us or to our region, and we have to resist, we have to stand fast with the full armor of God so that the enemy doesn't have his way. And so we're all in a personal battle, tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, that the personal battle is more psychological, tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then it says, we resist every thought and every image that comes against, every argument that comes against the knowledge of God. And so we see that the center point of warfare is in our mind. It's psychological more than physical, even though there's physical things involved. And so in this day of tension and confusion and strife and division, 
There have been many spirits that have been loosed on the earth to depress, to control, and to put fear in the hearts and minds of the people of God. And the reason why the enemy focuses against the church is because the church is the only entity that Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Jesus also told us through the Apostle John in reference to these evil spirits, these seducing spirits, these lying spirits, he told us that the one in us is greater than the one in the world. And he also told us in Luke that we are to trample on serpents and scorpions, which are metaphors for the evil one and his forces. And we should tread upon all the powers of the enemy because nothing shall by any means harm us. So we don't have to be afraid, but we have to resist. We have to keep going and persevering until we overcome. We want to make sure that we're overcomers. And so all of us are in the middle of a battle. We're all in the middle of a battle for the minds and hearts of men and women. We're in a battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Even though Jesus has already conquered Satan, Satan's minions and rebellious ones are attempting to depose the church at every point we give in to them because they're rebellious. And so let's go now to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel said, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three full weeks. So there was a 21-day period where he didn't eat any meat, he didn't drink wine, he didn't have any sweet food like cakes and desserts and all of that. So he just had vegetables. And he was grieved, he was mourning over the state of his people and the fact that they were still exiles in the land of Persia at this point. And he was believing God that the prophecy of Jeremiah, which approximated that within 70 years they would begin to go back to their land. So as he was examining this book of Jeremiah, this prophetic word which uh, Jeremiah was older than Daniel, but they were contemporaries in exile, uh, so they respected and honored each other. He didn't take it for granted that this prophetic word would automatically come to pass. Just because you get a prophetic word, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. All prophetic words are conditional. So he was fasting and praying, and he was believing God that that prophetic word was going to come to pass, that his people would begin to go back and rebuild and restore Jerusalem. And so he humbled himself, the scripture says, from uh, by abstaining from pleasant foods. And then in the modern days, that would be like desserts and pleasure foods, as I said. So he went on what we would term today a Daniel fast. And we find that in the first chapter of Daniel, that he actually began living as a vegetarian because he wasn't allowed to eat the unclean meats of the Babylonians. By implication, it was probably pork shellfish and other things that Jews were not allowed to eat. And so rather than defile his conscience, he told him, test me, give me, and the other Hebrew boys that are working with me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, just give us vegetables and check us out after 10 days. And sure enough, after 10 days, they looked better and healthier than everybody else. Matter of fact, it tells us in Genesis 1.29, that the original species-specific diet that God designed the human body to eat is a plant-based diet. You could even go on TED Talks 
from Harvard and different uh, experts from Harvard and others who will verify that the plant-based diet will elongate your life. It is the healthiest diet because it is a species-specific diet that God has designed our body to consume. The same way you don't give cows uh, other animals to eat and you don't give lions plants. Every living thing has species-specific food. So that's why Daniel looked better when he just had vegetarian meals, because that's more plant-based. And so he goes on to say in verse 4, Behold, in the midst of this 21-day fast, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I've come because of your words. Isn't that amazing? So this angel appears and God heard him from the first day he began to pray. Now we're on day 21. And God sent the angel. Now why did it take 21 days for the angel to appear with the answer? He goes on to say, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, the archangel, one of the chief principalities of princes on God's side came to help me for I was there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. So this is from Daniel chapter 10 verse 10 to 14. And so Daniel was praying but his prayer was delayed for three weeks. This illustrates the importance of pressing through in prayer until we get a breakthrough because we don't realize the spiritual warfare that is going on behind the scenes. Very few people realize when they're being resisted in prayer, when they've got a spirit of prayer on them or a burden, they, they very rarely understand the spiritual warfare and the entities of hell that are trying to stop that person from praying, from breaking through and continuing. And so if Daniel got discouraged and quit before the 21 days were up, he was never received this answer to prayer. Jesus even taught us regarding persevering prayer in Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 1. Jesus spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray. Somebody say always and not to faint. There was a certain judge who didn't fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continually coming to me, she wears me out, she makes me weary. Then the judge, then rather the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them, meaning though he doesn't answer the prayer right away. I tell you that he will come and avenge them speedily. So when God eventually comes, he does a quick work. 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And so here Jesus is equating persevering prayer with faith. After all, how could you keep praying and believing God in the midst of warfare, in the midst of being withstood by the enemy, and the wits, in the midst of trying to get a breakthrough? And this went on and on and on for 21 days. Daniel probably would have went 60 days if he had to. But he just kept praying. And believe me, that takes faith, persevering prayer for your children, for your spouse, for your nation. It takes a lot of faith. Some people erroneously teach that if you pray more than once for something that it shows the first prayer was in unbelief. And that's not biblical. We need to continue to pray, not just babble, but praying in faith. When it comes to other people's wills, it takes a lot of warfare. It takes us continuing to persevere which is why intercessory prayer, petition prayer, and travailing prayer often takes days, sometimes years of praying through for certain people or different things that we're believing God for, like a nation. Um, because it, we're dealing with demonic hosts, other people's wills. Now, if it comes to do with laying hands on a sick person, if they believe, they can get healed right away. You don't have to pray many hours. Sometimes you have to deal with them, teach them for hours, and sometimes you have to pray in the Spirit uh, before the Spirit of God enlightens that person and they're able to receive healing. But many times you just could pray a quick prayer and people can get healed. It's because you're not dealing with an unwilling soul, a rebellious soul. You're dealing with someone who already wants to receive a miracle. And uh, even for yourself, you could receive things instantly from God um, if you're believing. Now, just because you're believing doesn't mean it comes instantly. It depends on what you're believing for. If you believe for someone else, you're dealing with other people's will. But if you're dealing with your own healing, sometimes God will heal you instantly uh, because it's just you uh, and God. And then we see in Luke 22, verse 39 to 46, that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and as he was accustomed, his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Matthew account says, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is truly weak. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Look at that. Many of us, when we're in agony or travail, we give up. We get discouraged. This is too hard. I can't keep praying. When is the answer going to come? It's just getting harder and harder and harder. Well, harder it is, that means the enemy's concerned. That means you're probably closer to a breakthrough than you think. We have to follow the model and example of Jesus, who the more he was in agony, he prayed even more earnestly so that his fervency was greater than his resistance. His uh, ability to focus and press through had to exceed the agony he was in. And then it says that he prayed so hard that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. That means 
physically his whole body was involved. It wasn't just his mouth, it wasn't just his mind, it wasn't just his spirit, but his physical body was so intense that he broke blood vessels in his face and blood dropped to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to his disciples. He found them sleeping from sorrow. And see, that's the difference. Some people, when they get that burden on their spirit, they pray through. They pray past their agony, their burden, the heaviness on them, because they know that that's warfare. But you have others who will fall asleep when they have that kind of resistance or that kind of heaviness on their heart. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you also fall into temptation. Of course, they didn't listen to him, and all of them denied Jesus, because even though the spirit was willing, their flesh was weak, and they didn't continue in prayer. And then we find in Daniel 10, verse 18, the story picks up again. One having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, Peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince or principality of Persia. It's the same principalities mentioned in Ephesians 6. They're the princes that rule over the darkness of this world and each of them are assigned a different region. This one was assigned to Persia, which is modern-day Iran. And so he says he was fighting the prince of Persia, and then after that ends, then the prince or principality of Greece is going to come. So we find in world history there was a Babylonian empire succeeded by a Persian empire, which then lost to Alexander the Great. So by implication, Whichever principality, whichever invisible power won out over the other principalities, that particular nation in the world rose to power. So there's always a greater power behind each power. There's warfare in the heavenlies. And, um, and so we see the Prince of Greece came. And I'm wondering if even the, the darkness fights each other. Who knows? It's crazy. When you look at all this, there's a lot we don't understand. Um, where they compete and vie for power even against each other because satanic people are very competitive and worldly and self-focused. So then the angel continues speaking to Daniel, and he says, I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. So Michael happened to be the prince assigned to Israel, Michael the archangel. That's what he's talking about there. And uh, so Dan Daniel was weak with these spiritual experiences. He was on the floor. This angel touched him, raised him up, and told him about the warfare that was going on. So this unique passage illustrates the invisible powers that are fighting one another for control of whole kingdoms. There's principalities fighting for the control of the United States. The church has to pray and believe God now. Because if we can't do that in our greatest crises since the Civil War of the 19th century, if we can't go on a Daniel fast for 30 days or 20 days or a week, whatever it is, if we can't pray and humble ourselves now for the church to rise up for spiritual awakening in this country, then I don't know when 
it will ever happen. If it's not you, then who? And if it's not now, then when? Why can't it be us? Why can't it be our churches? And everybody's hearing this message today. It tells us in 1 Timothy 2, um, God's short list for things we should focus on when we come together and assemble. He says, therefore, I exhort, first of all, meaning this is primary, this is the first thing we do, that supplications, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So in those days they had house church meetings, um, and what they did first when they came together was pray for everybody, intercede and pray for people who had legal and civic and community authority. That shows how important it is for us in the body of Christ to do this. In our particular church, we have numerous prayer gatherings every week. We have three during the night, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, an hour each, and many others, and we're constantly praying for the nation. That's our primary focus. Even though Sunday in our services, that's not our primary focus, it's because most of the other focuses that we have in our other corporate gatherings are based on this. And so we are praying for our nation a lot. And then it implies that we could change the destiny of nations and by implication stop war and shift principalities and powers. He says, because when we pray for kings and all who are in authority, we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, meaning there won't be war. And then he connects that to the preaching of the gospel in verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So by implication, our prayers bring peace to the nations so that the gospel can be proclaimed. As we end this message today, I want to ask you if you could join our church to continue to pray for this nation, for awakening. If God can't use you, then who is he going to use? Can you push aside some food? Can you at least go on a Daniel fast? Or can you at least skip one or two meals a day? Can you do something that's a sacrifice to show God that you mean business? This is a unique, unique time of major shifts in global history. Will you participate with God in the renewal of all nations through the proclamation of the gospel and through intercession? Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us as a people to humble ourselves now more than ever before, that you release the spirit of prayer upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who want to learn more about prayer, you go on my website, josephmatera.org, and order the book, Travail to Prevail. It's probably the most intense book on prayer you'll ever read and will impart a spirit of prayer to you. Uh, or you can go to Amazon and order any of my 12 books, just my name, Amazon, book section. This book will pop up, Travail to Prevail. Also, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to lead you in a prayer now because how could God use you if you don't belong to him? You're either part of the solution or part of the problem. And so 
The only way to be part of the solution is to give your life to Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you want to ask Jesus in your life, if you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and he rose three days later, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I come to you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you're here right now with me. Come in my life. Forgive my sins. Give me the power of your spirit so I could follow you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know about it. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Right now, you just made a decision for Christ, but you need to follow him continually, and you need the church to do that. So get in touch with us so we can help you walk out this newfound faith. Well, this is Joseph Matera signing off. God bless you. And let's continue to pray like never before. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.